Melchizedek and the Mystery of Fire. Manly P. Hall. A treatise in three parts. But we're not going to read all three parts. That would be too much parts. Yes, I think one part is sufficient. We can begin at the beginning. It's <laughs> a good place to start. Fire, the universal deity. Since the earliest times, man has venerated the elements of fire above all others. Even the most untutored savage seems to recognize in the flame something closely resembling the volatile fire within his soul. His or her soul, I should probably say. Good call. We want to be inclusive. Or their soul, actually. Their soul. Yes. Obviously, this is written in, what, 1937? No, copyright 1996 by the Philosophical Research Society, Incorporated. Which Manly P. Hall started? He has begun this himself. This is the Manly P. Hall religion, philosophy, silence, science. It says 1934 is where PRS was founded, when PRS was founded. I know he's, he founded the, the, the society, the, the philosophical or theosophical? The Philosophical Physical. Research Society. PRS, yeah. That, that's his work. PRS.org, in case you're interested. Not the guitars. No, no, not Paul Reed Smith. Great guitar. Please send us one. <laughs> <laughs> or two. Two, sure. Yeah. Sure. <clears throat> 37, 1937, okay. 34. 34. Yes. <clears throat> so, basically a land before time. Later, when man, when, when humans personify the elements and created the multitudinous pantheons which now exist, he placed in the hand of his supreme deity the torch, the thunderbolt or the flaming sword, and upon his head a crown, its gilded points symbolizing the flaming rays of the sun. Mystics have traced sun worship back to early Lemuria. I guess they were ruled by lemurs? No, Lemuria. Lemuria. There you go. Oh, where is Lemur <laughs> Lemuria? Lemurland. I'm going to call it it's Lemurland. an ancient society. Lemurland, <laughs> Lemuria. The Lemures. <laughs> like a jaguar. <laughs> <laughs> it's a jaguar. Okay, Colin. <laughs> so in early Lemuria and fire worship to the origin of the human race. It's sun worship and fire worship. But also that first line that you, that you read, that fire was the most worshipped deity? Since the earliest times, man has venerated the element of fire above all others. Fire yes. represents will. The will. The will. Mm. Mm. So if the parallel between consciousness, will, an action, an order, probably all tied together. You know, in uh, in magic, fi the fire fire represents will. That's one of the elements. Okay. Yes, the halo mm. is light emanating 
Phoenix the sun. transformation. Sure. Okay. That's a big deal. All right. Especially now. Also the nuclear mushroom cloud. Pretty big deal. Source of light. And heat. Mm-hmm. Radiation. In the worst way. Either consciously or instinctively, every living thing honors the orb of day. The sunflower always faces the solar disk. The Atlanteans were sun worshippers, while the American Indians, remnants of the earlier Atlantean people, it says in parentheses, without citation, still regard the sun as the proxy of the supreme light giver. Many early peoples believed that the sun was reflector rather than source of light, as is evidenced by the fact that they often pictured the sun god as carrying on his arm a highly polished shield or a mirror. on which might be seen the all-seeing eye that is the audience. So, the shield, catching the light of the Infinite One, reflected it to all parts of the universe. What if that has anything to do with the, the Medusa that Perseus had to view only in reflection of his shield? behind him mm-hmm. so he could chop her head off because if you looked at her you yeah. would turn to stone turn to stone <laughs> to go to well stone. electric light orchestra sorry <laughs> you think that's what they were talking about no no yellow talking about medusa could be could be i mean it's it's, it's like it's the the divine beauty it's like she's so beautiful that you but that seems to be are a petrified com- to talk to her. You can't approach her. You could look at it like that. You there can. are many interpretations of turning there to can. stone when you see a woman. <laughs> There's also the correlation between divinity and not being able to to physically look upon a divine being. So many, so many myths and stories of, of people falling on their faces be, before a, a divine manifestation of a being. Mm-hmm. You know. Even Paul, or I keep bringing up Paul. Yes, you do talk about Paul a lot. I think he's, yeah, he's an author, but also he's a zealot in a way. Sorry Hmm. to, before he was a man of letters, literally. Yes, literally. But back to the the reflection and will. Hmm. Yes. It will. So where are these people? I know, I recognize Jupiter, Apollo, Hermes, Mithras, Bacchus, Dionysus, Odin, Buddha, Krishna, Zoroaster, or Zarathustra. But Fohai, Yao, Vishnu, yes, Shiva, Agni, no idea. Balder, Hiram Abif, Moses, sure, Samson, Jason, Vulcan, Uranus, Allah, Osiris, Ra, Bel, Baal, Nebo, Serapis, and King Solomon are some of the numerous deities and supermen whose symbolic attributes are derived from the manifestations of the solar power and whose names indicate their relationship to light and fire. 
They were willful people, those who got things done. I mean, Bacchus, he got a lot of things done. <laughs> Do tell. <laughs> well, the Bacchanal, it's the hedonistic celebration of the ancient Romans. Ah, uh, the ancient Romans and the Empire. Yeah, everyone knows how that turned out. It ended in Mussolini. I mean, Italy's still a thing, isn't it? <laughs> the boot remains. The boot, yeah. The boot remains. Float. <laughs> the boot abides. Abides. <laughs> it does indeed. Hmm. But the correlation between all those great men and myths alike, is he, is he saying that they all were... They're associated with associated light and fire. Light and fire. Mm -hmm. According to the Greek mysteries, the gods gazing down from Mount Olympus represented that they had made man and never having given to the primitive creature and immortal spirit, they decided that no harm would be done if the quarreling, dissenting human integrates. Oh, integrates. No, I read that wrong. And decided that no harm would be done if the quarreling, dissenting human ingrates were destroyed forever in the place where they had been left vacant for a nobler race. Whoa. According to the Greek mysteries, the gods gazing down from Mount Olympus represented, or rep no, I mean, I don't know why I want to say that, but it's repented. Repented. They repented that they had made men. Hmm. The gods gazing down from Mount Olympus repented that they had made men, and never having given to the primitive creature an immortal spirit, they decided that no harm would be done if the quarreling, dissenting human ingrates were destroyed forever, and the place where they had been left, where they had been left vacant for a nobler race. Discovering the plans of the gods, Prometheus, in whose heart was a great love for struggling humanity. He was the people's champ. Prometheus was the people's champ. He's basically Rocky. He determined to bring to mankind the divine fire, which would make the human race immortal, so that not even the gods could destroy it. Ooh. But they didn't like that. So Prometheus flew to the home of the sun god and, lighting a tiny reed with the solar fire, he carried it to the children of the earth. Maybe he's Charlie Parker. He had a burning reed, and he carried it to the people of earth. He played some hot jazz. Or Lucifer. Or Lucifer, yes, the light bringer. I guess that makes sense. Charlie Parker. <laughs> He, he carried it to the children of the earth, warning them that the fire should always be used for the glorification of the gods and the unselfish service of each other. He said, here, here's fire. Only use it for good. Don't do anything bad with it. Come on. I trust you. Here. Think about it. When you start a fire, anytime you light a match, mm. you have an intention in mind. 
you you do you do not start a fire and not know what you're gonna do with it. It's mm. you're gonna use it for light. You're gonna use it for warmth. Yeah, that applies to many things, and fire is a very potent metaphor, especially mm. in in reference to the will. It's also consumption. Yes. So it doesn't leave anything behind. And it's change. Transformation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a reaction. It's like chemical. Mm-hmm. And it's not always negative or ruining no. something. You can actually add value by burning it the way you can with emeralds. You can make them clearer. Mm. Um, brighten their color. Heat treatment? Yeah, they're heat treated, yes. Okay. Oh, yeah. Cooking. Applying heat to things. Man. Cut up some sweet potatoes and apply heat to those. That's delicious. Try to eat a sweet potato raw and then tell me that fire is a bad idea. (laughs) Might be a bad idea if you don't know what you can do with the fire, and that's perhaps what the immortals were concerned about, giving this flame mm. to to mortals and, and saying, hey, don't don't misuse this. It's very powerful. And certainly don't make it into a weapons. Yes, use it for the glorification of the good. It says glorification of God, which means do it for the good. Right? Yeah. That's the highest ideal. Whatever that is in whatever system, whether it was Apollo or Vulcan or Uranus, I think they say Uranus for some reason. It just doesn't sound, it doesn't read like that. But this is very good tea. What kind is this? Is this that raw puer? Yeah. Oh, it's delicious. Back to the book. The three phases of the sun are called will, wisdom, and action. will is related to the principle of life wisdom to the principle of light and action or friction to the principle of heat so will is life if you don't have what was the other one and then will is life wisdom is light wisdom is light because it's truth and action or friction is heat. Heat. So work, effort. Mm. Yes. So there's subsections to fire and will. The will and the life. I'm not sure I understand that. Perhaps it's the will that anything is at all unless there is will that there isn't anything there's the will to live right it's and survival that's this is what that that will is the fine edge of of whether you survive or not Mm. and how many times do you think has has the will 
been so strong that it, it, it seemed to bend the laws of, of physics or mm. or go beyond what seems like 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 a possibility at the moment right Real. that's the famous quote yeah you think that this is hard next time you think that something's impossible remember that hannibal got elephants over the mountain over the carpathians carpathians right i've been there have you i have but you're not an elephant no but so it was easier Yes. <laughs> I mean, they also didn't want to go, those elephants. It's cold up there, man. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people died. People don't know that. Yeah, he got some elephants over, but a bunch of elephants died. A bunch of people died. Some of them got lost. Exposure, dehydration, falling through shit. But where there is a will? Mm. Over the mountain. Mm -hmm. Over the mountain we go. <laughs> but you, you said there was something that you, you don't understand, or the, the association between will and life. No, I think I understand it now with that example. It's the the will to live. Oh, it's, it's like so any, strong. Any it's character so strong. in a movie has to want something, right? Like everyone has to want something, even if it's a glass of water. That's what makes a scene work. That's what makes the drama. But then there's the distinguish. This uh, we have to distinguish between what what's necessary and what what's desirable. Mm. That's a separate fork in the road. That uh, that has to be balanced out. And it it would be optimal if what was necessary. Or if we desired what was necessary, right? But yes. that's not always the case. In uh, in some some teachings in Vedic philosophy, um, the teaching is that you have to get all of those. It's it's either you release the attachments, or you indulge the attachments. Uh, it, you indulge the the things that you want, so that you can pursue spiritual things so there's and there, then there's also the the middle ground of moderation the middle way mm. i don't know which one is effective or optimal but somewhere in it, the middle it depends okay. upon the desire or the person and their character sure in the situation but variables. the character is the description of the total of the person in their situation, right? Because yeah. it's not an action itself. It's the action in the situation. It's the action in a situation by, like, relative to the person. So there's an objective timeline, an internal timeline. It's very circumstantial. Mm-hmm. So many elements. So is the will, if that case is to be alive is to will to be alive. And if you're acting one way or another, it's the good way or the bad way, right? You can't see Or they way. could be both equally good. 
but I can't imagine that really being the case. There has to be one, if even by the smallest margin, that would be better. I don't know where to go from there, man. To be two choices that are indistinguishable in value that you could make, like arbitrary perhaps, but they're only arbitrary like if I'm going to stand or sit at this moment. You think, well, that's arbitrary. How do you know what's the good action or the bad action? It's, well, what are you going to do after you stand? What will you do as you sit? Like what does it, what is the greater purpose that it serves? Is like getting up and going for a run, is that serving the good? Or is sitting and finishing your work serving the good? So again, it's the situational. It's deeply situational. And it, so that also means that every single individual in every single action is making an important decision. Mm. So everything is important. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> ripples yes and even though the ripple might not be big enough to see it contributes to a pattern like when you look at a pool because of the ratio of its geometry it has creates certain patterns and there are enough reflections that you can't really tell where the original spot came from you just see the interference of all those waves and it creates the idea of kind of an ocean. It looks like that sort of random wave pattern. The origin of the impact though, the ripple is created by impact. Mm -hmm. That's the friction heat part that he talks about. Mm -hmm. Uh, the will is also represented in the form of a of a knife or a blade. Oh yes, which is, you know, the piercing aspect. Mm. So to pierce. Yes, and it's a simple tool of judgment as well. It says this, not that, and where exactly right here. Discernment. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 uh, the cross. You're you're creating a, you know. Mm point no further <laughs> but here is the loaf and here is the slice it's a simple tool it can kill it can save you know cut out a tumor fire this is the same way mm -hmm. how, how do you plan to use it yeah that represents the will because you're making the decision to initiate it. I feel like psychedelics are the same way. Sure. Psychedelics are a flame that you do not light without intention. This is the same way with firearms. The gun debate. Oh, Guns are bad. You don't need this gun. Get that gun. Anyone with a gun is up to no good. Oh, what about the police? 
They all have guns. Are they all up to no good? Well, they're hired to be doing good with these guns. Oh, and they do that all the time, right? <laughs> or is it the person? It's, it's a tool. They if have you want to make to decisions. They have to make really tough decisions every single day. And they're playing with fire. Arms. Literally. They have fire at the end of the arms. Their arms, which are arms. Yep. They're armed with arms. And their decisions can impact life. Yes. Impact will. So uh, in a sense, authority modulates will. Does it get the will to bend? Is this where the fire is involved? It's interesting that we traced it to, to fire arms. Sure, the heat, friction, the action. Mm -hmm. But also the association with will. If I have a gun, mm -hmm. you are at my will. You know, like Gen yes, that's yeah. the general idea. Unless Close your will is matched by another will. Yeah, battle of the wills. Yes, and then you have a standoff. A siege. A duel. Hmm. Create sparks, huh? For Tarantino the movie. <laughs> yeah. What what does Manly have to say about all this going forward? Yeah, Manly. Yeah. Tell us what you know. About If Christianity were looked upon less as a church and more as a mystery school, the modern world would rapidly gain a clearer understanding of its tenets. Uh, this sounds like it could be Jordan Peterson, Dr. Jordan B. Peterson. Podcast. You should check it out. Check it out. Find out what it's all about. Boot. <laughs> Every priest of Christendom Every minister of the gospel should be an anatomist and a physiologist, a biologist and a chemist, a physician and an astronomer, a mathematician and a musician, and above all, a philosopher. By a philosopher, we mean one who could study intelligently all those different lines of thought and discover the interrelationship existing between them and use all the arts and sciences as methods by which to interpret the magnificent emblematic pageant and mystery drama of the Christian faith. So you have to learn about film in order to intelligently critique film. If you just say, this movie sucks, like, well, what do you think about it? Well, it's stupid, I didn't like it because it was dumb. Okay, tell me about the structure of the film. What are the character arcs? What are the references for the jokes? I don't know. It's kind of stupid. Like, okay, that's a great criticism. I'm glad that I listened to that. Why don't you study <laughs> and then learn to critique something? But, but he's he's saying that every he's he's describing the Renaissance man. Mm. He, he really is. He's he's saying he should be competent in all of these areas. You know, there, there's a video quote: "The greatest philosopher is the lover of God." 
I mean, and he, he's describing all the disciplines in which one can know the world and everything in it mm. and to learn of the patterns that they hold. So by, by studying and, and learning and, and knowing the facets of reality, the facets of life, we have a greater insight into the unity of which everything is a part of. Well, yes, a, a whole understanding. Even grade school education aims to get at this by learning. You know, all you have to take mathematics and then science yeah. and earth science. And then in high school, take electives like civics or whatever. Mm. Learn another language. Start to gain, travel the world. Begin to grow your understanding in well-rounded, liberal education. Philosophy is pretty necessary for that. But philosophy requires honesty. Brutal honesty. Mm. A lot of people are not prepared for that. <laughs> Nobody is really prepared for it. Really. Because you're Why surprised. If you're prepared for everything then the odds are something that's going to change all of that is about to occur. <laughs> yes, and <laughs> by allowing new knowledge to enter your your mind, you're changing your paradigm or you're contending with the, the I, I ideas that, that come your way and you have the decision whether to make them a part of your paradigm or reject them and try to discredit them or... You know, like, like, there's two choices. It, you have to contend with it. And mm. reason generally wins. Or at least em empirical reason is the way in which you can show. Yes, reason and evidence. Sure. Okay. These are tools. That's the problem because... There isn't really evidence for the biblical stories. And people don't understand the reason, so they don't see the value in it. Hmm. It's not a nonfiction historical text, so there's no evidence. There's no bones of dinosaurs mentioned at fucking all. <laughs> None of that. So it's a work of fiction that they don't understand. But it's actually the kind of fiction that tells the truth. That's a classic phrase. Art is the lie which tells the truth. And it talks about here, Mr. Mr. Manley. Mr. Manly P. Hall. Manly P. Hall, everybody. Laying down the law right here. If they were so intelligently, if they were to intelligently consider the secrets handed down from the priests of pagan antiquity, whose stupendous genius soared far above the rutted prejudices of modern thought, they would make a number of important discoveries. 
First of all, they would discover that in the present translation of both the Old and New Testaments are numerous mistakes, owing to the fact that the translators were not spiritually competent to interpret the secret mysteries of the Hebrew and Greek languages. They would find numberless contradictions caused by misunderstanding and would also discover that the so-called apocryphal books, rejected as uninspired, contain some of the most important keys which have descended to us from antiquity. Yes, deciding which books you can read and which books you can't read. These are the books that you must read and know, the Bible, which means the book, but it's not really a book. It's, a, it's, it's an anthology, and, some, and there are editors of the anthology, it's a great way. Right? Yeah. That's, that's exactly <laughs> what's going on. It's like, we, we, we're going to keep this, that. But one Even in, the title isn't correct, translation. <laughs> in one of those books that is not in the canon in the Bible, um, the Book of Enoch, it, mm. it talks about uh, how an angel or angel brought, brought uh, fire to man, or, or at least... There, there were angels that that brought knowledge to men, very specific knowledge, knowledge of of weaponry, knowledge of of herbs, mm. knowledge of uh, there's a there's a f- female uh, like decoration and and makeup. Ma- makeup was one of that. And I mm. reading that, I was like, whoa, that's that's interesting. The fact that it's potentially an art of some sort that. That subterfuge. Mm. The actor's art, adopting another. But anybody who's read the Bible should consider reading the book of Enoch. It was quoted. I mean, Enoch was, um, he was, he was even mentioned by Christ himself. Go Where? out and find the book of Enoch and read it. Anybody who has read the Bible and has not read the Book of Enoch should contend with that. All right. Yeah. I'll, just I'll, saying that's I'll one of the books. Look. It's one of the books. I'll give it a look. Yeah, the Dead Sea Scrolls and all that, and whatever hasn't survived even Nag- to make it to the... The Nag Hammadi texts. The what? The Nag Hammadi texts. Uh, that is the the Gnostic Gospels, the, the Gospels of Thomas, the, the Gospels... Uh, I don't know if, if th- there's Mary, the Judas. The oh, right. That's the one that's supposed to be Mary Magdalene as well. And the the children of Jesus, that's where they're mentioned. I see. I don't, not sure. Not sure. But mm-hmm. I, I know Thomas, the, the book of the gospel of Thomas has quotes specifically of the words of Christ. And it's a collection is essentially it, it, it's it and it one of the reasons why it wasn't put into the canon was because it's not a chronological uh procession it's it's not a description it's not a narrative there's no narrative it's just quotes of Christ and some of them are absolutely uh absolutely riveting that's mm. the, perhaps the book the gospel of thomas is, is one we should discuss some of these we should do yeah of, totally days, yeah yeah like to do the the Gnostic Gospels, Cause just because it's a cool name, Gnostic Gospels, with a G. Yo, we are the Gnostic Gospels. Gnostic. 
Gnostic. Gnostic. If you, yeah. If you're looking for the Gnosis. Gnostic gospel, it's spelled with a G. Yes. Yeah. You don't. You can't. This is radio. You can't hear the G. But I'm I'm pronouncing a G. You just can't hear it. Because <laughs> Gnostic with an N is not a word. Everyone yeah, knows it's yeah. Gnostic with a G. <laughs> yeah. Don't remember. It's a G Try. for like O G. Remember to put that in Gnostic. Like G, general intelligence. Knowledge. Sure. Knowledge. Knowledge. <laughs> right? It's funny that the the K in knowledge and the G in gnosis are both silent and they both mean the same thing. Is knowledge come from the Greek gnosis? Sounds like it. Yeah. Crazy. We just changed the spelling. Cultural appropriation. How dare we? glad you pointed that out. Mm -hmm. This is very important. I mean, we are speaking English as well, and that's not our native tongue. Not mine. Well, I grew up speaking this, but none of my ancestors are English. Right. <laughs> Me neither. Yet we, here we are, speaking English. Yes. Reading this Manly P. Hall book. Yeah, it's a pretty manly book. Pretty manly. P. Hall. It's about fire. <laughs> oh, Yes, it's about fire. Even if, okay, here are some things that they found out. I like this. The word Elohim is used in the early chapters of Genesis and translated as God. It's a masculine, feminine, plural word, meaning a number of gods who are androgynous and not one supreme deity. Elohim, the seven spirits. Oh, they would realize that Adam was not a man, but a species, a race of creatures, a they. They would also realize that the Garden of Eden was not located in Asia Minor. <gasps> Gasp. It's not between the Tigris and Euphrates River like they taught. It, oh, it's unbelievable. I was like, what? why is it, it's, what, Iran? Or is it, no, it's modern day. I think it is modern day Iran. Iran? No, the Tigris and the Euphrates. Yes. That's where the, that's where Eden was supposedly supposed. That, that's what they it's teach. It's a delta. It's a delta. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a nice place. Yeah, the delta is cool. I wonder what it looks like now. Garbage. You think that art archangel is still there with the sword, trying to keep people out? <laughs> mm. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, probably. He's like guarding the river. Standing astride it like the. In the Game of Thrones, the, the Iron, Iron Isles, Dome. there's that guy, the soldier who's guarding the Iron Isles. He stands astride the the port. Hmm. It's like a statue. I mean, something of that scale would never hold together. If <laughs> you know what he could build it, but but whatever, it's 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 film. It's the fiction. It's, it's the fiction to tell the truth. Yes. Yes. That's how, that's the only way. <laughs> parables. That's why Jesus used parables. It's like you can't handle the truth. I have to cloak it. Even if some men knew these things to be true, a great part of humanity would still reject them because they would disagree with the accepted traditions, venerated not because they are true, but because they have been accepted for generations. They would crown their discoveries by a realization that the Holy Land of all nations 
is the human body. Holy that this God. is sacred earth, consecrated to the gods. They would realize that their own bodies were the holy sepulchers and have long been in the hands of the infidel. And they would realize that there is no infidel of any race half so heartless as the infidel which dwells in the heart of man himself. That there is no enemy to the faith like the lower nature of the individual. That there is no Judas like selfishness, no betrayer like ignorance, no tyrant like pride, no Red Sea to be crossed like that which comprises the emotional nature of man, surging outward from the red, blood-forming centers in the human liver. Do you... So, when, he, when he writes, there's a sense of authority, like, in his words. I've, I've heard a lot of his lectures, and he just goes on without an um, or he just, it's almost like he's... But that's just the way that he writes and expresses himself. It's very... very... I don't know how to describe it. It's very poignant. Mm. It's very bold. He like de he declares things. This manly Palmer. Yes. That oh man. Wow. What you ended off on, I don't even know where to how to unpack that. But go ahead, you have the book. Yes. This germ of immortality enters into the embryo at the time of quickening and passes out at the moment of death. It enters into the embryo at the time of quickening. What is quickening? And what is he referring to? It enters. Is he talking about... Okay, I'll, I'll go back a go paragraph. Back, yeah. Oh. These are all linked paragraphs. <laughs> if the modern theologians could see the ancient mannequin over the altar, I guess the crucifix, they would clearly understand all this, but not realizing that there is a secret doctrine, they do not seek for it. Yet who can read the book of Ezekiel and Revelation and not realize that the beloved disciple John, transcending all the others in his vision, was indeed lifted up or raised as the modern mason might say, and beheld the pageantry of the mysteries. The allegories of St. John are drawn from every religion of the ancient world. The drama which he unfolds in Revelation is synthetic and therefore truly Christian in that it includes the great teachings of all ages. There's two books in the canon that Christian scholars do not contend with. What are they? Ezekiel and Revelations. And those same two books are supposedly the foundation for the hidden teachings, which he goes on to say different cultures later. Well, Ezekiel. Is, I, yes? I hate to mention Quentin Tarantino twice in one podcast, but Ezekiel twenty five seventeen. The path of the righteous man is beset on all sides by the iniquities of the selfish and the tyranny of evil men. And blessed is he who shepherds the weak through the valley of darkness, for he is truly his brother's keeper. 
and the finder of lost children. And I will strike down upon thee with great vengeance and furious anger those who attempt to poison and destroy my brothers. And you will know my name is the Lord when I lay my vengeance upon thee. It's not really exactly like that in Ezekiel, is it? But it's a fine remix of the general there's, sentiment. There's something that you're not considering. What the, 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 the UFO sighting? No, I hadn't considered that. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, I let me not. pull up that. Let me just pull it up because ever since I was a kid reading this, I was like, this is this is obviously some sort of UFO machine that they've just uh, nobody mentions it here. Let me and it and it's known as the Spirit of the Lord. That's how it mentions it, but it describes it in a terrible and 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 uh, overwhelming way. But Ezekiel, a lot of people have considered these as either meteor showers or comets. Oh, this is oh, trust. Let me. I just mean, a comet is up. a flaming thing, as well. So. It's more light and fire. It's the wheel, the wheel, the flaming wheel. Ezekiel's. Okay, so. Ezekiel describes seeing a wheeled chariot descend toward him from the sky, piloted by beings with the likeness of a man. Let me try to find the exact. I I look. Why would you say with the likeness of a man? That's that's how he describes it. Right, because. You would just say a man. Ezekiel's description of the chariot sounds like a, a lot like like a UFO or something that he, he, he describes it as a windstorm, a flash of lightning, brilliant, brilliant lights. Uh, and he describes glowing mare, a metal. There's a fire powering the chariot as a appearing as glowing metal. You don't hear people preach preach about that. All right, here it is. I looked and I saw a windstorm coming of the north, an immense cloud with flashing lightning and surrounded by brilliant light. The center of the fire looked like glowing metal, and the fire was what looked like four living creatures. In appearance, their form was human, but each of them had four faces with four wings. Their legs were straight, and their feet were like those of a calf and gleamed like burnished bronze. Under their wings, on their four sides, they had human hands. All four of them had faces and wings, and the wings of one touched the wings of another, and each one went straight ahead. They did not turn as they moved. This is Ezekiel 1, verses 4 through four through 9. That sounds a little comet-like, that... And fractal in the description that their their hands had also faces and wings, and they had the, four faces. The gleaming bronze legs. That sounds like like chrome or something. Mm-hmm. I'm going to continue from 15, Ezekiel chapter one, verse 15. And as I looked at the living creatures, living creature is multiple. So living creatures, mm. I saw a wheel on the ground beside each. Each creature with four with its four faces, sixteen. This was the appearance and structure of the wheels. They sparkled like topaz. Uh, that's a, that's a crystal, and all four looked alike. 
each appeared to be made like a wheel, intersecting a wheel. As they moved, they would go into one of the four directions the creatures faced. The wheels did not change directions as the creature went. Their rims were high and awesome, and all four rims were full of eyes all around. Spread out above the heads of the living creatures was what looked like something like a vault, sparkling like a crystal and awesome. Sounds pretty awesome. This is a vision that that he had, but the windstorm. So he said it appeared in a windstorm. So perhaps it was whatever was was some sort of what he saw was impacting the environment. Hmm. So perhaps he combustion of some kind. He said there was smoke. Yeah, yeah. But that's Ezekiel. That's and 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 Revelations. uh, That's another one that's not contended with. But those two books are... Wait, the uh, Revelation of St. John the Divine. Yes, Revelation on the island of uh, Patmos, was it? I don't remember. But he was on some island, and he just sounded like he was tripping and Mm. having a vision where he beholded... Wilson! New New Jerusalem. (laughs) (laughs) Ezekiel! But... Somehow those two, those two books made it into the Bible, mm. into this this editorial narrative that uh, was compiled by the Council of Nicaea. Yes, um, in the Catholic Church, you say the Nicene Creed. Yes, and the mm. Nicene Creed. We seems believe in one God, the Father Almighty, Maker of heaven and earth. We believe in this, in the seen and the unseen. The disciples yeah. and the resurrection. We believe in the, you know, Let, the we, saints and the yeah. yeah. And this, let's look at that. The, sa- the intercession always, of saints and the yeah. forgiveness of sins and the we look for. And we believe in the, in the authority of the Catholic Holy uh, the Holy, Holy Catholic, Catholic and Apostolic See, Church. I've, I've never uh, real specific about that. Very specific, and that. On my end was was always like I, I looked at the at the creed as uh, that uh, it was edgy for me. I don't know. The first Council of Nicaea in 325. They were bishops, right? They were bishops, clergymen. It's, it's who in present day Iznik in Turkey. Turkey. Yes, which is now Muslim. Yes. How did a Christian? country become Muslim. Interesting. Do you know the, the Hagia Sophia, that large structure that was, yeah, you know, was that basilica that, and then it was overtaken by, by the Muslims and, and all the artwork, a lot of the artwork was always defaced. Yeah. I've always wanted to go there. Bucket list. That's in, yeah. I think it's in Istanbul. Turkey. But that's where Nicaea. Istanbul, okay. Constantinople. Okay. So what what happened? Mm-hmm. What what happened with with the the first council of Nicaea? They have you ever the considered English the translation process? of the Armenian version? We believe in one God, the okay. Father Almighty, the Maker of heaven and earth, of things visible and invisible, mm-hmm. and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the begotten of God the Father, the only begotten, that is of the essence of the Father. Right, like. It sounds like they're repeating themselves redundantly there, but they're not. They're 
specifically denying certain claims or saying this is lawyer speak. There. And there's it's like there's that there is one Lord, Jesus Christ, right? And he is the son he is the son of God. The only and he is the only son of God, the Father, right? Like which God? There's there's a ton of gods, right? right. So which one is it? It's the only begotten, right? So he was there's only one son yes. of God and this is it. And that and, is, and it only happened once in history. Right. That that uh you know God it happened was at embodied. a point. Yeah. He is and, the and begotten it, of God, the and Father. It, and they're saying that it only happened with 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 Jesus. And it goes on to further specify God of God, light of light, true God of true God, begotten and not made. Not made. Begotten. Right. That means it uh, in the natural process. Not made. Begotten. To make something is, is artificial. Is begotten similar to adopted or begotten no. is inherited? No, that's in- giving birth to. Mm. Begotten. <clears throat> yes, like in the book okay. of Kings like in and Melchior begat seven begat. sons, and right. they begat, <laughs> yes, uh, All, the begats. I've always in, enjoyed reading those. The begats. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Basically the kid of, so begotten and not made of the same nature of the Father by whom all things came into being in heaven or on earth, visible and invisible. So it's saying like you can, he made all the visible things like, yeah, but what about gravity? It's invisible. Yeah, he made that too. I think that's what it's saying. Who for us humanity and for our salvation came down from heaven, was incarnate, was made man, was born perfectly of the Holy Virgin Mary by the Holy Spirit, by whom he took body, soul, and mind, and everything that is in man, truly and not in semblance. So it was real. It was for real, real. Like he's the realest human that there has ever been. He suffered, was crucified, and was buried, rose again on the third day, ascended into heaven with the same body, and sat at the right hand of the Father. Okay, so was anyone at the left hand of the Father? It's not specified. He is to come with the same body, the same one mentioned again. It's like it's literally the same one. He took body, soul, and mind. They're called out as three separate things. He took the same body, and with the glory of the Father to judge the living and the dead of his kingdom, there is no end. Well, I mean, the sun never sets on the British Empire, but of his kingdom there is no end seems a little bit more inclusive. We believe in the Holy Spirit and the uncreated and the perfect. We believe in the uncreated and the perfect. What is uncreated? What would, what would that be related to? Faith. See What is unseen? Mm. Uh, faith is is basically acknowledging what is what is not seen as something that already is, but uncreated. Ah, the Holy Spirit, right? The uncreated, the the flawless will, who spoke through the law, the prophets and gospels, who came down upon the Jordan, preached through the apostles, and lived in the saints. So whatever thing that drives the best people 
the the thing that is behind the law, that is behind the people who, behind the words of the Gospels, right? That God spells the holy words and the prophets. We believe also in only one universal apostolic and holy church. Okay, that's where... This you believe is, in one God, see, yes. It, like, I can read up to that point and... and um Tolerate that, but when it gets to it, universal, they're 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 making claims about. But there is one church. You're saying, right? If the kingdom has no end, yeah, there are no factions within it. They are all yes. You can call yourself. Well, I'm different from you. Like, no, we're both subjects of the same God. Like, we all yeah. live in the kingdom. It's like, there's no try, outside of the kingdom. <laughs> try. In telling that to all the different mm-hmm. sects of Christianity that have killed each other over the years. Sure. Or that they Islam. Seem, they don't seem very united to me. Or, you know. The Baptists and the Antibaptists. Think mm. about the, the Battle of Munster. Or Israel and Palestine. Oh, that's a great example. Oh man, that's that's a whole. In one baptism, in repentance for the remission and forgiveness of sins, and in the resurrection of the dead, in the everlasting judgment of souls and bodies, and the kingdom of heaven, and in the everlasting life. Okay, that's. So there's there's an everlasting life, as well. Uh. I like how they mention that in the end. It's like, oh yeah, by the way, you're the forever. It really goes forever. on forever. Yeah. Hmm. So this is, let's just say, so the creed was artificially created to insti- institutionalize Christianity. Uh, well, okay, that's a rough way of putting it. But everyone seems to take the creed as a foundation oh yes i was reading the armenian version here's the one that i remember the 1975 version was included in the 79 episcopal church the international this is the 75 ecumenical version the icet 1975 it's a little different but it's a little bit it's more poetic i think it's a from the episcopal Episcopal Church Book of Common Prayer, 1979. Here it is. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation he came down from heaven. By the power of the Holy Spirit he became incarnate from the Virgin Mary, and he was made man. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. 
We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son. With the Father and the Son, he is worshipped and glorified. He has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. So that sounds like the official canon of the most popular character in a series of novels in a in a film like this is the official character arc this is this is what happened anything yeah, else is fan fiction yeah <laughs> and the way that that's worded is very very specific and very interesting mm-hmm. do you mind how what if we contrast that contrasted that with the way that Jesus told people to pray. Yeah. All right, I have the Lord's Prayer pulled up, and it, it's translated uh, from the first century Aramaic. And it, O thou from whom the breath of life comes, who fills all realms of sound, light, and vibration, may your light be experienced in my utmost holiest. Your heavenly domain approaches. Let your will come true. In the, un- in, the, in the universe, so all that vibrates, just as on earth, and that, that means all that is material and dense. Give us wisdom, knowledge, or give us wisdom for our daily needs. Detach the fetters of the chains that bind us like we let go of the guilt of others. Let us not be lost in superficial things but let us be freed from that which keeps us from our true purpose. From you comes the all-working will, the lively strength to act, the song that beautifies all and renews itself from age to age. Amen. Mm. That's a different tone than the creed. Mm -hmm. This is very political. And very binding. And this is very... uh, liberating detach the fetters of the chains that bind me mm-hmm. free me from that which keeps me from my true purpose right as we are free from, from like be, yeah, fr- yeah as we let go the de guilt of others nobis debita nostra sicut et nos dimitimus debitoribus nostris like and forgive us our debts as we forgive those who to whom we are in debt yeah or who owe us. Yeah, whatever. Forgive us our trespasses. As we forgive those who trespass against us is the, usually the version that you hear. But forgive us our debtors. Okay. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. I give it. Can I pull up a Vedic mantra, the Gayatri mantra? Yes. That is... Uh, in my mind, a version of the Lord's Prayer, but from a completely different culture. And the, the Gayatri ma- mantra goes, Om Bur Bhuvasvaha Tatsavitur Varenyam Bargo Devasya Dimahi Dio Yona Prachodayat Om. And it means we meditate on the glory of the Creator who has created the universe, who is worthy of worship, who is the embodiment of knowledge and light, 
who is the remover of sin and ignorance, may he open our hearts and enlighten our intellect. It sounds very similar to to the the themes that are represented by mm. by the Lord's Prayer. Mm. But anyways, and there's definitely a lot lost in translation. Some ideas yeah. in that first century Aramaic translation that don't really make it through to the no. "Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy I, kingdom come. I, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven." And give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Yeah, when I was a kid, and I recited this that that in Ukrainian, it just it was kind of like word salad. Yes, you're just like trying to trying to trying to imagine all the concepts that that are being expressed, and it's tough because it's like, all right, I know I'm re- repeating this over and over again mm. and oftentimes the deeper significance is not taught it's just you know you, you learn the form and then the form perpetuates and sure and then uh if the form isn't done in, in the proper form there's judgment yes uh, a pakistani friend of mine went he told me about learning the quran he could recite the Quran, but he had no idea what it was saying. He didn't understand it. Yeah, it's but he could a, recite it's it. A series of syllables, <laughs> and so he would say things like, "I don't really know what I'm saying," you know. He's like, <laughs> but he would read it out loud. Uh, I had a Pakistani uh, friend <laughs> who was also it's fantastic, also Muslim, and and uh, on the month of Ramadan, I would take him out to Sherry's and buy him food mm. he just wouldn't say no <laughs> but we had great discussions about the con- contrast between uh islam and christianity it's like i'm not supposed to be eating but there are contrasts between islam and christianity apparently so apparently aren't, so aren't all religions equally wrong <laughs> I could just walk out right now. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Religion's right. equally or equally right, mm. but in small proportions. Too. Maybe they the have a sliver, but not according to the the creed. There's there's only one, mm. and one holy Catholic apostolic church. Universal. Don't, That's don't the one. Universal. You're right. Yeah. So fashion. Like we've explored the universe and, you know, we're like, yeah, there's nothing happening on Mars. There's nothing happening on Mars at all. Yeah, we know what's going on. Yeah. No, there's definitely like not. Ground? W- there's definitely not any water there. Couldn't no. possibly support life. Oh, shit, there's an ocean. Don't <laughs> let Elon go. Don't let Elon go. <laughs> no. <laughs> we got to get there first. Space Force. <laughs> Engage. Space Force. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm really curious about what will happen with Space Force. I don't think Space Force is going to get off the ground. I think it's just one of those things where, hey, we could do this thing that's totally ridiculous and be like, oh, my God, that's ridiculous. And then he does something more reasonable, somewhat a couple of notches down from ridiculous, and it's like, oh, that's pretty reasonable. It's very... Ah, I see what you're... Yeah. 
Yeah, but that's rising tide. I didn't write the art of the deal, so I don't know that much about negotiation. But sh- it seems we should read it and discuss it. We should d- discuss the art of the we deal. We should one hundred percent do that. We should go through it and and just skim through it and discuss what the mind of the Trump, the mind of the Trump, the Trump. Yes. Yeah. If yeah, if we have any inclination to do so, like if anybody says, "Hey, you should do it." I'd love to have a conversation yeah. with a guy. He would go like this. He'd sit, sit and get into his power position. I've yeah. been studying uh, body language and, and watching world leaders interact. And it's so funny how they, even with body language, they try to get the upper hand. In a handshake, um, sure. who sits down first? Sure. Uh, who dictates the you know the the tone of of the discussion? Mm. It's all very strategic, and it probably has not only a psychological impact on the people that in, they're interacting with, but on whoever's viewing it, because now they have the platform of the media indicating what's going on. It's going to be watched a yeah. million times. At you know one frame, five frame, all over the world, and people are gonna analyze it and chop it up and cut it. So, if for some reason it's like models, you know the the picture of you know Kirsten Dunst eating salad at a sidewalk cafe with Jake Gyllenhaal, where she's like really attacking the salad. I think that maybe it's Michelle Williams. I don't know. It's somebody. Somebody who's eating something, and they look like a shark about to devour a penguin. It's that kind of animalistic rate. But of course, that's the picture that ends up. So unless you're in some way perfectly arranged, you know, flawless in your generations like Noah, Hmm. then it's going to be captured and live forever. So maybe that's a good reason to put your power pose on and wear your suit and do everything the right way. Like women putting on their makeup and heels and doing their hair in this way. The ritual of anointing the holy sepulcher of the human body. And then bringing it out amongst the congregation. So many themes there. So many themes there. But in an effort to return to Will <laughs> and tying in Trump, Ooh. Will? And the mystery of fire. Yeah. So much to be. Yeah, keep, keep going. Let's hear Manley's thoughts on on this going out uh, forward. This, this, this has been very interesting, especially his... Uh, Let's get into who Melchizedek really is. He's mentioned in the Bible a few times. Uh, Once in the Old Testament, we we hear mentioned because he interacts with Abraham, and Abraham gives him ten percent or a portion of his uh, lot that he uh, pillaged. Not pillaged, he, uh, he 
he attained through warfare, through violent me means, and then he gave a portion of that to the Prince of Peace. This, this apparently, this this individual is, is wa wandering the wilderness and and so not wandering, but he he's known as a high priest. The Prince of Peace. Yeah, that's Melchizedek, the Prince of Peace. That was the name of Jesus. Prince of Peace. I mean, yeah, and I've heard it sung. Yeah. In the oratorio of Handel. So how does Messiah. this all 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 come together with fire? Because Melchizedek and the mystery of fire. Well, the fundamental difference is plainly visible in daily life. Some are always contented, others never reach the goal. Some are the sons of water, the keepers of flocks, others are the sons of fire the builders of cities. The one is conservative, the other is progressive. Even the words. One is the king, the other the priest. State and church, church and state. And what was it the, the revolution said? Uh, the French Revolution, we intend to strangle the last king with the guts of the last priest. That's, if that's not symbolic. Oh, yes. I don't know what is. But within the nature of every living thing, the sons of fire and the sons of water exist together. They're talking about gender fluidity, I think. In the scriptures, the flame-born ones are called the sons of God, and the water-born are referred to as the daughters of men. I'm not sure if that's sexist or not, but it could be yin-yang. This is in the 30s. It's in the 30s, so it's it's definitely sexist when the patriarchy was going strong right before everyone lost their job and then their lives in World War II and the Great Depression. The, the, yeah, the Great Depression. In World War One, you know, after after World War One went so great, they decided to to have another great war, make it even better. For the flame-born son is the divinity in man, and the water-born is the humanity in man. Oh. So being waterborne isn't bad. There's also a mention of, of uh, being baptized by fire and by water. There's mention of this in, in the Bible, and I've always contemplated that. Zoroaster is the baptism by fire. That's where they do, that's the Iranian this is Persian. This is Azura Mazda. This is, what years is Zoroastrianism? I, I don't know. Okay, keep reading. I'll, I will look it up. So... The two brothers are deadly enemies, but in the mysteries they are taught to cooperate one with the other and are symbolized in Freemasonry as the double-headed eagle of the 33rd degree. The double-headed eagle. Uh, well, let me Where go Where else do we see a double-headed eagle uh, mm. holding arrows and shields and where? maybe on currency? Some currencies, yes. Also, the there American, are two-headed eagles uh, that were popular in Germany. Think about the American. Yes. <laughs> the true secret of the regeneration of the fire in the human soul is revealed by the ritual of the third degree of the Blue Lodge under the allegory of the murder of Hiram Abiff. The name Hiram is, as has already been noted, which I didn't read, closely related to the element of fire. His direct descendant from Tubal Cain, 
the first great worker of metals by means of fire. Do you know who Tubal Cain is? Yes. Son of Cain. Descendant of Cain. Yes. Tubal Still Cain. further connects this cunning worker of metals with the immortal life flame in man. In Okay, so here's a hyperlink. In his secret societies of all ages, Charles W. Heckethorn, H-E-C-K-E-T-H-O-R-N-E, gives an old Kabbalistic legend in connection with the relation of early masonry to the worship of fire. Well, yeah, you need fire to turn rock into metal that you can use and then bang on it a whole lot to shape it. So, you know, and you need... But how do you need fire for masonry? Does fire, it help rocks? Fire is, fire is a metaphor for knowledge. And mace, Freemasonry isn't all about stacking rocks. It's all about stacking cheddar. Stacking them hunnets. And uh, Zoroastrianism... Or paper. From you see, you can burn paper, right? Yeah. So you're stacking paper, stacking rocks. Fire burns paper. Paper covers rock. This is rock, paper, scissors. It's it's an ancient game. With possible roots dating back to the second millennia, millennium BCE, Zoroastrianism enters recorded history in 5th century BCE. Okay. 500 years before. Yeah. Well, when was Aristotle around? Like 300 BC? Sounds about right. Double check. Why do you ask? Trying to place it in a timeline with uh, other like re- historical figures. So the 5th century. The 5th century... Three, it's a pretty dark time. Three three twenty two BC. Three twenty two BC. Yeah. Oh shit! Okay. I remember the date. <laughs> yes, yes. Somewhere, professor. Somewhere, professor Mark Angelos. Well, is, he he died three twenty two, but he died right. So, yeah. So like three seventy something, three twenty two. No, he was old, like fifty. <laughs> Okay, so now Elohim is mentioned again here. Okay. In the Charles Hecathorn. Okay, so Hiram or Hiram Abif was not a descendant of Adam or Jehovah, as were the sons of Seth. Well, Seth is the god of the dead. Like, isn't that sons Osiris? Of Seth, is... He's referring to the sons of Adam, actually. So the, Seth is the righteous son. Uh, he's the third son. He's not Cain or Abel. He's Seth, the righteous son from from which the uh, the descendants. The at the at the very end of the line, you, you have you have Jesus Christ. But Hiram Abif was a different line. He was uh, not a descendant, right? No. Of Adam or Jehovah, for in his blood ran the fire of Samael, one of the Elohim. One of the Elohim. So he's saying that 
an expression of the divine, a specific. Right, the Elohim are the ones who were before the seven spirits. archangels, the seven spirits that the the male, female, plural of mm-hmm. God. Yeah, it's pr- it's plural, and it's seven. Yeah. Do you know what the seven Elohim are? <laughs> Let's find out. Yeah. Further, there are two kinds of people in the world. There are two kinds of people in the world. So goes so many jokes. <laughs> Look, there are two kinds of people in the world. Those who can count. Those with aspiration and those without. Those with aspiration. Hmm. Those without aspiration are the sons of Seth true children of the earth who cling to their parent with tenacity and the key word of their nature is earthiness. There is another race who are sons of fire for they are descendants of Samael, the regent of fire. That's why Samael isn't he often conflated with Lucifer. Is he describing... These flame-born sons are ever fired with ambition and aspiration, right? Because that was the thing, that Lucifer was ambitious and he aspired to be as great as, if not greater. Well, you have a cool universe, but I can have my own. I made all of this. I'm the light bringer. They are the builders of cities, the raisers of monuments, the conquerors of worlds, the pioneers... The workers in metals, true sons of the eternal flame. Fiery and tempestuous are their souls, and earth to them is a burden. Jehovah does not answer their prayers, for they are sons of another star. Aspiration is the keynote of their nature, and again and again they raise phoenix-like from the ashes of failure. They're serial entrepreneurs. Totally. Never will they rest like the element of which they are a part They are wanderers upon the face of the earth and their eyes upon the flaming star from which they came. He's saying that they're from another star. So they're not of the earth. They're the sons of a different star. star. Oh. Are they hybrids? (laughs) Okay, but if they're descendants of... Well, yes, it places... The the sun is a god, but the sun is a god of just the solar system. What is the sun like? Yet the yet the creed extends universally. Mm, mm. I think it might be a bit of an overreach. Just slightly. <laughs> this fundamental difference is plainly visible in daily life. Some are always contented, others never reach the goal. That's where we get to the sons of water, right? Okay. Hmm. According to the ancient wisdom, a time will come when man has two complete spinal systems, both equally developed, and his life will be controlled by two powers working in unity one with the other. To express this, the ancient alchemists symbolized attainment as a two-headed figure, one head male and the other female, the androgynous Ishwana, Ishwara, the planetary lord of the Brahmins, had the right half of his body male and the left half female to symbolize that he is the archetype for the ultimate human race, man then being positive and negative in one 
will no longer reproduce himself as at the present time. They're talking about transhumanists or maybe transgender at least because they're both at the same time. Ooh. Well, hermaphroditic. There's mention of that in the gospel of the Gnostic gospel of Thomas where um, Jesus said that to achieve, I I will not paraphrase. (laughs) I will not paraphrase this. Let me find it. But there's mention of um, hermaphroditism. Yeah. Where he said, when the two become one, then you will know the the kingdom of God. When, When the two become one, is it is this reference to the masculine and, and feminine? It's the marriage when two become one, for sure. And that's also the ancient Greek idea that we were once two-headed and four-limbed mm. creatures. And our power made Zeus jealous, as you could imagine. And he split us in two because we were too powerful and we moved too quickly. And he's distributed us across the globe. And so we forever seek our other half. Fascinating. (laughs) Could be that. Or it could be that the other spine is the computer spine. That's the one that runs along the same side. One of the ancient mysteries taught that the end of all things is like the beginning plus the experience of the cycle. The same day the human race will give birth to its new bodies out of its own nature, as certain primitive animals still do. Then indeed will man be his own father and his own mother, complete in himself. Initiation makes possible this process in man much earlier than the natural sequence of human evolution would permit it. Such is the true mystery of Melchizedek, king of Salem, the priest king, priest water, king fire, who was his own father and his own mother, and in whose footsteps all initiates follow. Saying, okay, I'm going to go to a saying. This is saying 22 from the, the Gnostic Gospel of Thomas, making the two into one. Jesus saw some little children nursing. He said to his disciples, These nursing children can be compared to those who enter the kingdom. They said to him, Then we'll enter the kingdom as little children. Jesus said to them, When you make the two into one, make the inner like the outer, and the outer like the inner, and the upper like the lower, and so make the male and the female a single one, so that the male won't be male nor the female female. When you make eyes in the place of the eye, a hand in the place of a hand, a foot in the place of a foot, and an image in the place of image, and an image in the place of an image, then you'll enter the kingdom. So to entirely exchange the body one for one gender for another. It's basically saying you go to the kingdom of God if you become, you have gender reassignment surgery. I think that's what he's talking about. (laughs) 
So that a man is not a man and a woman is not a woman? It's, it's fairly clear. <laughs> Maybe it's... <laughs> <laughs> Or perhaps there's the possibility. No, there are no alternative explanations. A, no. Let's <laughs> <laughs> just end it there. Call it get the two hemispheres. No, male and female. Yes. See, that's maybe why they didn't put this in the Bible. Is because <laughs> gender it's, it's, a trans, it's a transgender text. That's what it is. Yeah. Heresy. The fear. Absolute heresy. They didn't know how to incorporate that. Into the rest of the Bible. Terrible. <laughs> when considered clairvoyantly, the body of man resembles a great bouquet of flowers. Oh, that's nice. Clairvoyantly? Is he, is he talking about seeing auras? A great bouquet of flowers when perceived clairvoyantly. Interesting. Yeah, clairvoyant is just like remote viewing, essentially. Mm -hmm. right? Like you're seeing something... Clairvoyant is, is, is like a seeing what's not there, but having an extra sense to be able to do so. Mm. Huh. For all over the physical form are petal-like groups of emanating force rays of various shapes and colors. Is he talking about fingers? No, he's talking about the aura. He's talking oh, about the, the field, the auric field. There is one of these mysterious centers in the palm of each hand and in the sole of each foot. He's talking about chakras. He's talking about Iron Man. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> we need a pop filter. <laughs> <laughs> Nearly all the vital organs have whirling or radiating vortices of light as spiritual bases. He's talking about chakras. He's talking about chakras. And right the there. seven the seven? Yeah. The seven chakras. Oh, that makes sense. Ah. These spinning, vibrating flowers are extremely important occult centers. Each of them is capable under certain conditions of assisting man to secure a broader function of consciousness. So yes. we start from the root chakra. The root chakra is red, right? Red then we is go root. then we go to the sacral chakra and the root chakra is is uh your identity, your being rooted in in, in walking in the world, having confidence. Isn't it also associated with excretion? Sure. So yeah. think about your it. Your identity is earth. shit. Well, the root. Well, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> the root. Root. <laughs> like some people, th that's the idea. Like the first stage is, you know, your. Sure. That fixation. It's also the the know, least complex uh, chakra. It has the least amount of uh, petals. So the complexity mm. is, is the lowest. And it's also the lowest spectrum of light, right? Red, yes, red. things get red shifted, okay. shifted towards the red. We go to the sacral chakra, which is the creativity center, but also the center of reproduction. It's orange. Mm. Right. Mm. Then we go to uh, the uh, solar plexus, which is yellow, and it's at the very base of the sternum. It's gold, and it's, uh, it's the power center. The Great. power center for taking actions, the action, action center. Uh, it's, it's associated with adrenaline, uh, making dis making decisions, being confident, taking initiative. Um, Isn't that also the xiphoid process? The xiphoid process. Sure. Xiphoid. Yeah, that's ex at the base of the sternum. Exactly. That. Mm -hmm. Sure. That that's where that spinning wheel that he, that he's talking about would be. 
It's uh, the solar plexus, it's yellow, gold. Uh, and as we travel up the the chakras, we're, we're getting into higher frequencies of light, but we're also... Where are you now, green? Um, now we're at the heart chakra. I think it's known as the an, an, Anhatana in, in uh, Vedic. But it's the symbol for it is the same symbol as the Star of David. And it's green. I mean, it, it's the same. It's the inverted triangles. Yes, it's two, green. Mm-hmm. Two and isosceles triangles. This is from, and the, from the center. This is the, this is the heart chakra. It's it, and it's the center from which you express and 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 uh, can receive. I don't know affection, love. It's mm. this is the most important center. It's in it's the very center of your chest. That's why the crucifix centers over the the heart chakra doesn't it the crucifix okay or, i suppose yeah yeah or is the, it you know, hold li- it close it to your heart lower is it more um, towards towards it, the throat where the the crucifix, the crucifix no. where does the body center it's interesting yeah and it's green and the complexity increases then we go on to the expression center which is the throat chakra and it's blue uh we continue to the brow chakra, which is indigo, and finally we get to the crown, which is which is like a violet. And you notice that they're also organized by the frequencies, frequency of light, with with violet being the highest and red being the lowest. But Looks like it's above. It's above the head. I mean, with the crown. It, yes, it's uh, above the head. Mm-hmm. And that's the yeah. So uh, the the throat chakra is the chakra of, of expression, the cent- the expression center. This is uh, from which we express truth, from which we we uh, express uh, ourselves authentically. The uh, in. The brow chakra is is inner vision. It represents being able to to see inwards, but also into into realms that uh, we can just sense, but not not see physically. And the crown chakra, that's the connection center from which we can experience the divine. Mm. So that's probably why they're fluorinating water to calcify the pineal <laughs> gland and block the third eye vision, right? I, fluoride is a very superfluous additive to water, mm. especially if it's meant to... Isn't it a dental? byproduct of toxic waste? Yeah. It's for dental yeah. health, right? That's great dental marketing. It's, it's like for the strength of your enamel. Sure. <laughs> So they say, mm. Mm. but it, don't don't go too long with without using fluoride-free toothpaste. Don't, don't go lo- too long without using it. Yeah, you should use some fluoride every once in a while. Yeah, because it it does really st- strengthen the enamel. Mm. I found 
using non-fluoride toothpaste for, for over half a year, my teeth became very sensitive. I was mm. trying to decalcify my pineal. I think it worked. <laughs> it's either that or you just you know keep head, hitting your head against the wall. That's always an option. And then there's football players and those uh, uh there's a concussion ICE or whatever their that disorder that they get. Oh yeah, plenty of them get it. Prize fighters. Yeah. Hmm. It's funny that he dis he distinguishes be between f the sons of, of fire as as uh, being kings and the sons of waters being priests. Um, yes. What an obscure text, yet very poignant and relative. Yeah, saying like, "Oh, this sounds like." blah 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 kind of language like woo woo language but if you take a charitable view of it and you think like okay this is trying to tell me something this is trying this has something to say and it maps on to the world in a way that makes sense like oh yeah and if some part seems weird do you just need to fit it in with the rest or dive into the context mm -hmm. you know we're bringing to the surface, very obscure topics. We're bringing to the surface obscure texts from 1934 or 32. It is possible to see with the palms of the hands and the soles of the feet. See as in to sense. In fact, ultimately man will see with all parts of his body. The, the chariot, the wheels with the wheels with the eyes. A symbol of the ultimate condition was preserved in the Egyptian mysteries by the figure of Osiris, who is often shown sitting upon a throne, his entire body composed of eyes. The Greek god Argus was also noted for his ability to see with different parts of his body. The Oriental Buddhas are often symbolized as having peculiar geometric patterns on the palms of the hands and the soles of the feet. Get this. Do you know Tsunam? No. He is a Buddhist monk, a self-proclaimed realized Buddhist monk who is also known as a thousand-eyed master. That's what he calls himself. A thousand-eyed master. Do you want to meet him? Wait. It's a person who lives? Yeah, this is essentially, you, yeah, you, you know people who, who know him. Yeah. Yeah, that's not master, but. I mean. I actually, I gave him I a. I talked to Donald Trump, why not talk to. Yeah. The thousand-eyed master. Uh, he doesn't speak English. That's all right, I can listen with my hands. Good. Marduk, uh, the guy with the eyes all around his head. Marduk, yeah. Yeah, the, this is the same concept, but and and this this Superman uh, this has X-ray vision. Yeah, so seeing into the future, clear, mm -hmm. you know, clairvoyance. He, uh, this this Buddhist monk Tunam, he spent 
something close to a decade up in the mountains in, in isolation and meditation. Mm. And I went to a meditation where he was present. I've been to several, actually. And I, at the end of it, I, I, had, I had a piece of Satcha quartz in my pocket that I, I had for, for years. And Satcha is a kind of feathery quartz that comes from Satcha India. Mm. And Satcha is uh, a place in India that's known as the crown chakra of the earth. And I hand I and I and I went to the meditation and I d- I did not plan on it but I I decided to to give him that stone hmm. and he picked it up and he and he closed it in his hand and, and he closed his eyes and he said, "Do you pray often?" And I, and I said, "Yes." And he he said, "I I can sense that." And in, in the energy of the stone, and he said, "Who do you have like a teacher? Who's your teacher?" And I, being raised Christian, I said, "Jesus." And he said, "Jesus chanted Amitabha, which is the Pure Land Buddhism mantra." <laughs> Namo what is that mean? Um, Namo Amitabha. The, that's the that's that's the mantra that that um, is associated with one of the Buddhas, the Red Buddha. Isn't that from the Lion King? Namitabha, Prince Manabharam. Namitabha. Look at this lion. I think that's what it says. But uh, that, that funny Namo story, Namo, and he's and he said you you should chant Namo Amitabha because Jesus chanted uh, Namo Amitabha. What? Namo Amitabha. Namo Amitabha. Mm-hmm. But the thousand-eyed, dr- uh, thousand-eyed master. Yeah. Mm. And the and the Satchaloka and the the crown chakra. Man. But the fact is that he recognized the resonance in the stone, and he said. And he, he, and he, he knew, and he, and he sensed that there was something to it. And this is, you know, a Buddhist monk. That was that was that was a fascinating story for me. How old were you at this time? Oh, this was like two years ago. Oh shit! What? Yeah. Recent. Yeah. Yes, I'd be very interested to meet this character. I'm sure he'd be very interested to meet you. Well, I don't know <laughs> what stories he will have heard about me that would make him interested to meet me. But <laughs> He's the thousand-eyed master. Mm. Mm. <laughs> I'm sure he could probably spare one glance. Mexican Osiris. Oh, wait, I almost forgot a part. <laughs> the Mexican Osiris? Yeah, the Mexican Whoa. Indian Osiris. Like like Chicano Batman, but <laughs> but more like Mexican Indian Osiris. Called Prince Ko, died from three wounds inflicted by his enemies. And his heart was found in an urn by Augustus Le Plongeon, who spent many years in 
in investigating Central American antiquities. All right, wait, because I missed this part. The jujitsu exponents are also taught how they can resuscitate a person who is absolutely dead by means of pressure brought to bear on certain parts of the upper vertebrae of the spine, or as they say, CPR. This is successful in nearly every case, often after all other methods have failed. The sunbursts of varicolored lights in the body constitute the sacred lotus blossoms of India and Egypt and the roses of the Rosicrucians. Ooh, the Rosicrucians should be discussed at some point as well. They uh, were very closely linked with alchemy and the yeah, transmutation of lead into gold. Sorry for the side. side no, there, that's not. A, that, like that's a hyperlink that we should. Hermes Trismegistus. Oh, the emerald, ta emerald tablets. Yeah, mm -hmm. definitely. They are also the immortal beads of the Bhagavad Gita strung upon a single thread. It is through these centers that the nails of the crucifixion were driven. It's true. They usually just tied them with ropes. Instead of nailing the Romans when they crucified people. Was was that an exception? Yeah, it the, seemed weird. The nailing. A little extreme, but Just a little sure extreme is also right on par with the Romans. Uh. <laughs> the crucifixion contains the secret of opening the flower centers in the hands, feet, side, and head. I didn't know there was one in the side. The three nails which accomplish this are preserved to Freemasonry as the three leading officers of a lodge and the three murderers of Hiram Abiff. Why does Hiram Abiff get murdered all the time? <laughs> you think it, it? You think it could only happen once? I mean, what about Julius Caesar? You know, who stabbed a bunch of times. Was he murdered more than once? Like somebody stabbing you with the intent to murder, is that not the murder? When you die, the last that's, person to have touched you is the murderer, so... It's the will leaving the body. Uh, that's the will not being able to hold on to the grasp. The body not, not being able to, or the spirit not being able to grasp. Yeah, because you're filled so full of holes. And the betrayal of your fellow man, Brutus. Rat bastard. <laughs> the Mexican Indian Osiris. <laughs> yes. The, all right. The most sacred part of the human body is the brain and spinal system. Recovered. Sorry, not recovered. The most sacred part of the human body is the brain and spinal system revered from all antiquity and symbolized again and again in all the religions of the world. While other parts of the body are of great interest to the student, the mysterious working of the spinal fires by means of which liberation is finally attained is so tremendous that many years must be spent in understanding even the fundamental principles. The spine is the rod which budded, the Yggdrasil tree, the flaming sword, the staff of comfort, and the wand of the Magi. Kundalini? Or the Kundalini. The spine. Mm -hmm. Harry Potter. 
the wand. It's a symbol of the spine, perhaps. Mm. Yeah, the spine is crazy. It's when it's functioning, it's upright. Well, for us anyway, although according to a lot of biologists, it's not really designed for vertical. It hasn't had as much time in a vertical application as uh, its horizontal application. Oh, yeah. So the stresses are not quite right, you know. It's true. Everyone has back problems. There's kyphosis, there's low doses, you know, the, the S-curve of, of the body. It's all very important. Mm. Yeah, the S-curve is very particular, too. Yeah, the ratio is pretty important. Mm -hmm. Like, then you see people with sway backs, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Although you shouldn't call them out on it, apparently. They're <laughs> sensitive. Sway back! You get out of here, sway back! <laughs> no, that'd be too mean. <laughs> Spare the yeah. swaybacks. Yeah, we still love you, swaybacks. <laughs> no hate. <laughs> yes, that's right. No hate. Just four characters: N O H, and the the number eight. Well, there is a third part, which I feel we have already embarked on. We're about there. Santi, called the medulla spinalis, the spinal cord, the central axis of the nervous system. Well, I mean, yeah. In a person of average size, the spinal cord is about 18 inches in length, weighs approximately one ounce, and terminates opposite the first lumbar vertebra. 18 inches in length. What is that in centimeters? Hmm. I need to know. Why? What is the significance? Well... Is it... Which is the correct system of measurement? <laughs> Which is the one that matches the world? Like miles or inches? Well, there, think about frequency, right? You can't It's really 45.72 centimeters. So 18 inches. Hmm. Yeah, three times six, or 1.5 feet, or you get 45 centimeters, maybe 50. What is the significance? I don't know. I just want to see the relationship between... Maybe Manly, Manly will tell us. I wonder if he will. I hope he will. Me too. It weighs approximately one ounce, right? Like one ounce. That's, That's a unit. 28, 28 grams. When you can say 28 grams is an ounce? Yeah. Okay. 28 is an interesting number. How many nines? So that's the spinal cord 
being protected by the spinal column. Mm. It terminates opposite the first lumbar vertebra. The upper end of the spinal cord passing upward through the uh, foramen magnum, the large opening, mm -hmm. or foramen magnum, is a large opening of the occipital bone of the skull. The occipital, that's the back, the bulbous thing, ending at the medulla oblongata. Mm. And the medulla oblongata, if I'm not mistaken, is, is responsible for all the automatic, automated functions such as breathing, respiration, all the automatic, autonomic. Yeah, system. it's the operating system. Yeah. It's like keeping the hard drive running and the fans on and the kind of shit that you don't need to control. Yeah. Timing heartbeat. the heartbeat, sure. Running through the spinal cord is a tiny central channel referred to as the sixth ventricle. This is described as follows. It is just visible to the naked eye, but it extends throughout the cord and expands above the fourth ventricle. In the conus medullaris, it is also dilated, forming the ventriculus terminalis. That's referenced by Krause. K-R-A-U-S-E-I. According to the Eastern system of occult culture, there are 49 sacred nerve centers in the human body of which the seven most important and key centers are placed near the spine at various intervals. The total number, 49, is the square of seven. This is what I'm talking about, how numbers match. They usually match, like there are five the petals meridians. on flowers. He's talking about the meridians in the body? The, okay. And it's also the number of rounds and sub-rounds of a planetary chain. When seen clairvoyantly, all of these centers resemble flowers or electric sparks. Each one of the seven main plexuses has six of lesser importance surrounding it, thus forming six-pointed stars diagrammatically, all, although the centers are not arranged in star-like order in the body. Six-pointed star. Mm-hmm. Two invert two triangles. Yes, yeah, the Star of David. Or we're getting into the Kabbalah. Yes. We're deep in the Kabbalah. <laughs> oh, and now now there's a name I recognize. In connection with the organs and parts of the human body, H. P. Blavatsky writes Remember that physiology, imperfect as it is, shows septenary groups all over the exterior and interior of the body. The seven orifices, the seven organs at the base of the brain, the seven plexuses of the pharyngeal, the laryngeal, cavernous, cardiac, and epigastric, some as solar plexus, prostatic, and sacral plexus, etc. These seven are the negative spinal plexuses of first importance. But disciples of the mysteries are warned not to attempt the development of these centers because they are negative poles. All of the real plexuses which hold the true disciple of the highest knowledge should try to unfold are located within the skull. For the body is a negative pole of the spiritual body contained within the cranial cavity. 
As the body is controlled by the brain, the true adept works with the brain, avoiding the negative poles of the brain centers which are located along the spine. Proper development of the seven brain discs or spiritual impenetrating globes results in the awakening of the spinal flowers by an indirect process. Is that Kundalini? Um, in a way, he's referring to, to the chakras. But the, 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 the oh. development of the center is, is, is a reference to the chakras. Beware of the direct process by concentrating upon or directionalizing the internal breath towards the spinal centers. That's, That's in italics. Okay, this, this is fascinating because I've seen a person direct energy into do, do, doing that specifically, direct energy upward and go into a full-on spasm. And they were able to, to produce this like this. And it, it just looked like violent uh, shaking. It was, it was very so somewhat traumatizing to see. Hmm. And this is, uh, yeah, very fascinating that, that that's a mention of that. Hmm. Madame Blavatsky might have added to her list of septenaries the seven sacred organs around the heart, the seven ductless glands of first importance, the seven methods by which the body is vitalized, the seven sacred breaths, the seven body systems, bones, nerves, arteries, muscles, etc., the seven layers of the auric egg, the seven-layer cake, the seven-layer dip, the seven major divisions of the embryo, the seven senses, five awakened and two latent, one sour cream, and the seven-year periods into which human life is divided. Hmm. Also, dogs are seven years to our one. So maybe dogs are like the more pure spirit body. Compressed. Yeah, definitely, because their spine's compressed. Except corgis and dachshunds. <laughs> their spine is elongated. Maybe that's why they are the way they are. <laughs> Insufferable. <laughs> All of these are reminders of the fact that seven primitive and primary spirits have become incarnated in the composite structure <clears throat> of man and that the Elohim are actually within his own nature, where from their seven thrones they are molding him into a septenary creature. One of these Elohim, who corresponds, to, who corresponds to a color, a musical note, a planetary vibration, and a mystical dimension, is the key consciousness of every kingdom in nature. The Elohim also take turns in controlling the life of the human being. Ah, that explains a lot. Seven? Mm-hmm. Seven colors and seven chakras. They take turns. They take turns? Yes. It's like you go on a road trip with six other Elohim in an RV. You can't drive the whole time. So you go take a nap and somebody else is driving. You know, and five other people, six total, drive. They all take naps before you wake up again. Where do you think you'll be after six people have driven while you've slept? 
According to the ancient Brahmins, the lord of the human race is keyed to the musical note fa. Well, what's fa? It's the fourth tone of the scale. But are they, scale. are they referring to a, a pitch? What is fa as a pitch? That's not very clear. Fa. And soul <laughs> pitch. Right? Is that 440 or 432? Yeah, nobody, nobody knows. Okay. Uh, this is football. Leicester City FA musical. The current standard pitch or modern concert pitch for this note is 440. It's F4. The fourth above C. It is also known as Fa and fixed those soul pitch. Yes, so it is. When calculated in equal temperament, as Bach would have you do, with a reference of A above middle C is 440, the frequency of middle F is approximately 349.228 hertz. Five F4. Hmm. And what is what is the insight in regards to that note? That it's the note of the lord of the human race is keyed to the musical note fa. And his vibration runs through the minute tube in the spinal column. So if you remove somebody's spinal column, maybe you can play it like a flute that makes an F sound. Toot. Maybe that's what the predator was doing. He was <laughs> collecting in stuff for instruments. He was, He's he, like, I need to make an organ. Yeah, he was like that weird Swedish guy with the winter guitar instrument. He was going to build one of his own, like the marble machine that played a sound. He was going to do that, but with vertebrae. Pretty gruesome, but I would, you know, if that video was out, you know you would watch it. <laughs> Here's an instrument made of human spines. Take, take a glance. Okay. One of the All thousand right. eyes. <laughs> it deserves a glance. A yeah. glance. <laughs> I think this book <laughs> deserves a glance. This book does deserve a glance. The minute tube is called the sashumna. I've heard that before, sashumna. The essence moving through the sashumna finally blossoms outward, forming a magnificent flower in the brain. That makes sense. Meow. This is this is called Sahasrana, the thousand-petaled lotus, in the midst of which is enthroned the divine eye of the gods. In India, it is possible to secure inexpensive chromos showing a meditating yogi with these flower centers along the spine connected together by the three nagas, or serpent gods, 
which represent the divisions of the spinal cord. Come here, buddy. Weirdo. The caduceus of Hermes shows the two serpents wound around the central staff where they vibrate as the sharp and flat notes of the central stem. Hmm. Totally. Right, because that's what vibrato is. That's what anything besides a pure sine wave. Yeah. Modulates. The Naga gods, or serpents, like Pantala Naga Rampa, or serpents often symbolized with human heads, sometimes as cobras with seven heads or the great red dragon with seven heads and ten horns, and upon his seven heads were seven diadems. Revelation? Mm. Yes. And with his tail he wi swiped a third of the stars from the sky and flung them to earth. They are favorite motifs in Oriental art. In an isolated part of the jungle in Indochina stand the remains of the ancient city of Angkor, concerning the building of which nothing is known although the natives maintain that its great structures were raised in a single night by the gods. These buildings contain hundreds of carvings of great serpents, most of them hooded cobras. In some cases, the bodies, being of great length, are used as railings around walls and on the sides of steps, like in Beetlejuice, where Michael Keaton this becomes the, like the banister, the handrail on the stairs turns into a snake hmm. as she's walking down and the head turns around it's Beetlejuice's head it's like ah. hmm so Manly is giving us a run for our money this is 41 pages in the Indian chromos, the blossoms along the spine are often shown with varying numbers of petals. For example, the one at the base of the spine has but four petals, the next above six. Each of the petals is inscribed with a mysterious Sanskrit character representing a letter of the ancient alphabet. The petals are believed to indicate the number of nerves branching from the plexus or ganglion. Oh, wow. Vedas. Think about that. Thousands of years ago, they had a science for awareness and how to induce awareness through practice, various practice of the breath, sound, of light. All right, sorry, go ahead. Fascinating. Yes. Well, the seven, the 14 stations yeah. of the cross. The fact that they know that the plexus is in the, the nerves. One oriental painting shows three sunbursts, one covering the head, in the midst of which sits Brahma with four heads, like the four-headed 
creatures described in the the Gnostic. Was that the part of the Gnostic Gospels that you read earlier? Four four headed creatures. Oh no, right. that was that was of Ezekiel the, of the U. Oh, the Ezekiel. Right. That was a vision of Ezekiel. His body a dark, mysterious color. The second sunburst, which covers the heart, solar plexus, and upper abdominal regions, shows Vishnu sitting in the bottom, sitting in the blossom of the lotus on a couch formed of the coils of the serpent of cosmic motion, its seven-hooded head forming a canopy over the god. So those are the, the three seats in the human like body. One. Over the generative system is a third sunburst. The generative system, ah, yes. Mm -hmm. The thing that's equal in both men and women. In the midst of which sits Shiva, his body a grayish white, and the Ganges River flowing out of the crown of, crown of his head. This painting was the work of an Indian mystic who spent many years on the figures, subtly concealing therein great truths. The Christian legends could be related to the human body by the same method as the Oriental, for the meanings concealed in the teachings of both schools are identical. Hmm. In masonry, the three sunbursts represent the gates of the temple, at which Hiram is struck, there being no gate in the north, because the sun never shines from the northern angle of the heavens. Unless you're in the southern hemisphere, <laughs> I guess then it kind of does. I think that's how it works, right? Doesn't it shine from a northern angle in the southern hemisphere? He's, he's not speaking in metaphor. The north is the symbol of the physical because of its relation to ice, crystallized water, and to the body, crystallized spirit. In man, the light shines forth toward the north, but never from it, because the body has no light of its own. It shines from the reflected glory of the divine life particles concealed within the physical substances. Life particles. What are life particles? The Higgs bosons? The only other mention that I've heard of life particles is by Ichi Lee. Ichi Lee? Ichi Lee who also mentions those three points. Uh, you know how, how he describes um, the, the, the points in the regenerative system, um, the, the three points. And according to Ichili, who is also a spiritual teacher, uh, he w has witnessed the life particles or in 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 a meditation and and uh, those three centers also he vividly described in 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 that same way but life part he actually has a uh a painting of a life particle that he painted himself Ichi Lee uh, Ichi Lee the lead singer of no, Rush nope 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 this oh, that's is Getty Ichi Lee, Lee. Um, the South Korean author slash teacher. He's, uh, he has his own, he has his own meditation center. Yeah, they're actually all over the world, but 
there's one in Sedona, and we we stayed in air, air, at an Airbnb that was a block away from one. We would go there in the morning and buy their kombucha, which was delicious. But the life particle, let me show. You, let me just give you. Let me show it to you. This painting of the life particle, because that's the only reference I have to the life particle, and I think you might find this interesting. Life particles. Look at this. These are the three centers, too. Here it is. This is... a geometric figure. Mm. It's very similar to the Metatron's cube. Sure. And those are the, the, the three centers. Hmm. One centered over the forehead, one over the heart, and one over the lower intestine, looks like. Yeah. All right. The spinal column is a chain of 33 segments divided into five groups. Hmm. The cervical or neck vertebrae, seven in number. The dorsal or thoracic vertebrae, of which there are 12, Pardon me. Of which there are 12, one for each rib. The lumbar vertebrae, five in number. And the sacrum, five segments fused into one bone. And five, the coccyx, four segments considered as one. The nine segments of the sacrum and coccyx are pierced by ten foramina, through which pass the roots of the tree of life. Nine is the sacred number of man, and there is a great mystery concealed in the sacrum and coccyx. That part of the body, from the kidneys downward, are called by the early Kabbalists the land of Egypt, into which the children of Israel were taken during the captivity. <laughs> Out of Egypt, Moses, the illuminated mind, as his name signifies, led the tribes of Israel, the twelve faculties, by raising the brazen spirit in the wilderness upon the symbol of the Tao cross. Mm. At the base of the spine, there is a tiny nerve center concerning which nothing is known. But the occultist realizes that the symbolism of the sacred crucifixion, which is supposed to have taken place in Egypt, has reference to the crossing of certain nerves at the base of the spine. A friend visiting Mexico was good enough to count the rattles on the tails of stone images of Quetzalcoatl, Quetzalcoatl. or Colcacan, or as he is sometimes known. In nearly every case, they were nine in number. Deep waters, manly. Deep waters. Mm -hmm. Started off with a quote, and now we, here we are analyzing anatomy. Yes, how did, how did we get to spiritual physical anatomy? Here. Well, he's there's he's Kundalini talking, on the next page. He's talking about transformation. He's and and how to 
the the body being the temple, the temple in which the Elohim resides, the the seven centers. That's how we got there. Yes, the seven centers. And He's describing how to awaken those centers and the anatomy at hand. This is deep stuff, man. This this is why this is not an easy read. Even th this pamphlet is what forty forty pages. Yeah, yeah, and here we are in forty four. Mm. The scorpion is called Judas, the betrayer, for he is a backbiter. Rambler, the gambler, the backbiter, carrying his sting in the sacrum and coccyx. We are reminded of the legend of Parsifal for the castle of Klingsor, the evil magician, located at the foot of the mountain in the midst of the Garden of Illusion, is merely a symbol of this city of Babylon and the land of darkness, where all too often the Son of God is tempted to sacrifice his immortality. Here also is the scene which Goethe called Walpurgis Night. It is here also that the false light is chained for a thousand years as related by Milton in Paradise Lost. False light, like a sun, nuclear fusion, chained for a thousand years. False. Nuclear fusion could go on for a thousand years, the right half-light. It's yeah. a chain reaction. The false light. Concerning the descent of the spirit of fire down the spine into the place of darkness, Milton says, Him the almighty power hurled headlong flaming from the ethereal sky with hideous ruin and combustion down to bottomless perdition there to dwell in adamantine chains of penal fire. End penal fire. So adamantine chains. It's the stuff that Wolverine's claws are made out of. And it coats his bones. Adamantium. Yeah, adamantium. What about the penal fire? Any, any it's also Adam. Adam, like the first metal. Oh, yeah. Hmm. Penal fire. That's P-E-N-A-L. Mm -hmm. It is also from here that the hordes of scorpions arose, spreading blight and destruction to all the earth, as is related in the book of Revelation. Here also, and in the movie, The Mummy Returns. Although those were scarabs. No, there were scorpions there, too. There's a lot of black, like, clickety, exoskeleton-covered creatures. Horrifying. Just the worst. Here also is the rock Moriah. The rock who was actually the scorpion king in the movie The Mummy. I've seen it. Returns, right. Uh, over the brow of which Hiram is buried. Okay, he's been killed enough times, now he's finally buried. That's good. Here lurks Typhon, the destroyer, and Satan, who was stoned. Uh -oh. No wonder they have such a problem with stoners. They think they're Satan. Right. <laughs> this is the dwelling place of the false light, to differentiate it from the true light, which shines out through the regions of uh, Skamayam above. I have no idea what Skamayam is. No, me neither. Between these two lies the length of the spinal cord, a rope connecting the arc and the anchor. Skamayam. Yeah, let's look that up. Jamie, pull that up for us. We can have Siri pull it up, but she's not very reliable. Yeah, I don't think she would pick up that word. 
Did you mean Sam I am? It's Hebrew, literally superior waters, but translated in the Bible as heaven, is fire and water. That's what it means. Hmm. Hmm. Azoth is considered to be a universal medication or universal solvent. Skamayim is the universal mercury or Azoth, the measureless spirit of life, the original spiritual fiery water. All right. So, the fiery water above, boiling water. Water can combust at great pressure. In fact, the mantis shrimp, the pistol shrimp, when it's kind of like a scorpion, it has claws, it's a crustacean. Mm -hmm. Exoskeleton. Yeah. And it has especially evolved claw that snaps shut and hits with such force it creates cavitation and boils the water immediately around it and creates a tiny sonic boom. Wow. So it actually there's a flash of light as it combusts. The water combusts underwater. <laughs> what a function. It's such such a weird creature. Like, Michael Inman of Oatmeal fame has a whole series on the mantis shrimp. It's excellent. You should check it out. Yes. There is a legend among the Orientals to the effect that Kundalini, the goddess of the serpentine spinal fire, growing tired of heaven, decided to visit the new earth, which was being formed in the sea of space. Yes, leave it to a goddess to get tired of heaven. She therefore climbed down a rope ladder, the umbilical cord, from heaven, and found an island, the fetus, in the Sea of Meru, the amniotic fluids, surrounded by the mountains of eternity, the Corian, all of which existed within the egg of Brahma, the womb of Matri Padma. After exploring the island, Kundalini decided to return up the ladder once more, but as she was about to descend, the ladder was cut from above, the umbilical cord severed at birth, and the island drifted off into space. In fear, Kundalini ran and hid herself in a cave, the sacred plexus, where, according to certain of the Eastern teachings, she remains coiled like the cobra in the snake charmer's basket, from which she can be lured only by the three mysterious notes of the charmer's flute. So Kundalini ran and hid herself in a cave, like Adam hid from God in the garden, hid in quotes. But also it's latent energy, potential energy. Uh, yes. It's also the shadow. The Jungian shadow. Mm. But he's when, talking about a, an energy that's that's stored. Yes. That so can be coiled. Uh, coiled. Coiled yes. is the term that's used. When Kundalini begins to unwind, she ascends as a serpentine stream of fire through the spinal canal and into the brain, where she stimulates the activity of the pituitary body. Yes, the third eye. 
The spine may be divided horizontally into three sections. The lowest section includes the lumbar vertebrae, together with the segments forming the sacrum and coccyx, and is surrounded by a brick-red haze of a lurid and angry color. Lurid and angry, that sounds nice. The haze is oily in texture and causes the sacrum and coccyx to appear the color of dried blood. The color, however, is living rather than dead. Higher up towards the lumbar vertebrae, the color is somewhat lighter and not so angry looking. It gradually turns to orange and through the section composed of the 12 dorsal vertebrae, there is a golden glow radiating outward from the thread-like line of what appears to be a river of yellow fire. Of gold. Where the solar plexus now? Mm. These colors extend somewhat outward along the nerves which branch off from the spine between the vertebrae. A little higher, the yellow becomes flecked with green, and through the cervical section, the stream becomes faintly electric blue. Through the ida and pingala, two lateral tubes through the spinal cord, paralleling the central tube on either side, this stream of fire goes up and down incessantly. The farther up the fire goes, the thinner and less brilliant its hues, but the purer and more beautiful the colors. So, desaturated? No? Or, no deeper tones, thinner and less brilliant. But the purer and more beautiful colors. Describing colors, like, can be so easy at a basic level, but just utterly impossible with any nuance. Color, it was warmer. It was a warm blue, like flecked with green. What the fuck are you talking about? I. <laughs> what does that even mean? Until finally they meet in a seething molten mass in the ponds of the medulla oblongata, where the fire begins almost immediately to permeate the third ventricle and agitate the pituitary body. He's describing a Seizure? Anatomic process. Mm. With very great detail and specificity, he's describing every form and for every hole that the the spinal the spine passes through and the Ida and the and the Pingala, those are all nerve centers. It's very, very specific knowledge, but Yet all of this knowledge is contained in in um, ancient texts. Yes, so gets even more medical here. Describing the pineal gland by Santi. The hypophysis, pituitary body, is composed of two lobes bound together by connective tissue. A sheet of dura mater, diaphragm cellae, the diaphragma cellae, holds them into the hypophyseal fossa. None of this is going to make any sense to anybody. But the anterior lobe, like the front one, the larger, is derived from the epithelium of the mouth cavity and in structure resembles a thyroid gland. So it's like a thyroid gland built out of your mouth. It's closed, ves uh, closed vesicles, limited with columnar epithelium, in part ciliated, so like the Cilia. intestine, mm -hmm. which I've also heard could be 
they're like the flagellate bacteria that have embedded themselves in the intestine, which was originally smooth. And so the action of the flagellates bacteria moved things through. So greater efficiency and digestion makes sense, I suppose. Ah, the anterior lobe is hollowed out on its posterior surface, kidney shape, and receives the posterior lobe, the infundibulum, into the concavity. The hypophasis has an internal secretion which appears to stimulate the growth of connective tissues and to be essential to sexual development. The pituitary body is the negative pole, yet it plays many roles in the development of the spiritual consciousness. In one sense of the word, it is the initiator, for it raises the candidate, the pineal gland, being a feminine polarity, the pituitary body lives up to its dignity by being the eternal temptress. In the Egyptian myths, Isis, who partakes of the nature of the pituitary body, conjures Ra, the supreme deity of the sun, who is here symbolic of the pineal gland, to disclose his sacred name, which he finally does. The physiologic process by means of which this is accomplished is worthy of detailed consideration. As he clearly notes, there's some detailed consideration happening here. Uh, there are mere, there's just a couple pages. Some of this is. Deep waters, manly. Deep waters. But to, to, to those who have ears, let them hear. And to those who have eyes, let them see. And the final line. It is not without reason that the ancient priests placed over the temple gate the immortal motto, Man, know thyself. Seek not outside yourself. This is the same theme. We're only saying one thing. It's only ever one thing. <laughs> you have been listening to Melchizedek and the Mystery of Fire by Manly P. Hall, who founded the Philosophical Research Society, Incorporated, a nonprofit organization in 1934 dedicated to the dissemination of useful knowledge in the fields of philosophy, comparative religion, and psychology. In his long career, spanning more than 70 years of dramatic public activity, or dynamic public activity, as it says, Mr. Hall delivered over 8,000 lectures in the United States and abroad, authored over 150 books and essays, and wrote countless magazine articles. He was an excellent orator. I highly suggest checking out his lectures, they can be found on YouTube, anywhere online. Check out the PRS. 8,000 lectures. It's got to be at least 10,000 hours in there spent talking. Got to be a... And multiple, multiple books, countless books that, that, he, that he's written. Uh, one of them is a very thick 7 800-page book called The, Seek, 
the secrets of all the ages where he dives into esoteric uh, esoteric knowledge and historical historical mysteries throughout the ages very fascinating guy mm. uh, with a sh very strong voice but also unbiased oh that, that's hard to, that's that's hard to tell but from he considers many cultures many religions many points of view to bring across this information wow that was a that was a trip considering that we did not know uh we picked up this this text to explore a little bit of manly p hall and and that was pretty not, manly. Yeah, that's that's not light reading. That's like no. That's like picking up Socrates. Yeah, you know the, he was a big the republic. Mm. Well, I mean, that's Plato, right? No, oh, that's Plato. But it's so, he's kind of a main character there, right? I've not read the Republic, but man grand symbol this was Melchizedek and the Mystery of Fire by Sir Manley P. Hall thanks for joining us mm -hmm.